If the Lord don't build a house, it'll fall down. If the Lord don't guard my city, the enemy's getting in. I could work my fingers to the bone, give my motto all. But if the Lord don't build the house, it'll fall. Working all day through the night till the morning light Trying to kill the stress in my chest but it never dies Doesn't matter how high up the ladder I go I still feel low And I wanna get ahead of you Make you get what I want before you're ready to I'm just trying to get a couple of months ahead On my daily bread I'm building my own kingdom I'm so exhausted Had a vision I lost it Well, there you are, and welcome back to Redemption's Table. I'm Robert Barge, your host, and the song you heard as we opened up today is another song by Ross King. It's entitled Build the House. It's on his album titled Unfinished from 2021, and I want to thank Ross ahead of time for allowing us to use his song opening and closing today's podcast. This year, Hopefully this will become a thing where we will be bringing in different artists, artists that you may not be familiar with, to allow you to listen to one of their songs. And uh, that song will be our opener to prepare us for what we're about to hear. It will also be our closer. And I encourage you to check out Build the House by Ross King on whatever music platform you happen to listen. Uh, Thank you, Ross. Well, today's a first for Redemption's Table in that after our conversation last week, it was so well received that I have invited back last week's guest for another go-round because there were a few things said last week that I thought needed a little bit more uh, digging into and uh, unpacking. And so we're grateful today to have Steph Cherry back to the table Steph, welcome to Redemption's Table. Thank you for having me, Robert. Well, it was a good conversation last week. Yes, it was lovely. I was so glad to get to chat with you. Well, you said a lot of deeply insightful things, and it resonated. I noticed on social media where we were announcing, hey, this is a podcast, and just all the comments that came back. And there were a few things you said. I'm good. I'm a good listener, but somewhere along the way, my listening skills, I'm, I listen better afterwards. Uh, I'm always re- replaying conversations in my head and it's mm-hmm. usually the, you know, two hours later when I get, Oh, they said that. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's, that's when the light bulb comes on for me in a, in a regular conversation of, uh, what the conversation was about. And, uh, and I even had that. You you said a couple of things that I just want to bring our uh, listeners back to a couple of things you said. Uh, so we're going to talk about a revision and about trauma and trauma needing a witness. Those are the type of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to I'm going to share a quote from you. I'm, I'm <laughs> quoting Steph Cherry here. Uh, you said this, and you said this is like it it was beautifully expressed uh, as if you were having the thought as you said it, it was just, you said, you said, I am 
overwhelmed by the power of the edit. That really stuck out to me. But you were talking, you were introducing your word of the year, which go ahead and tell us your word of the year. Is revision. Revision, yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing you said. I'm overwhelmed by the power of the edit. We can go back and we can rewrite, we can change, we can add in, we can put Jesus in, we can infuse every. I'm reading every story that we have and see it differently. Uh, so I want to go back and talk about revision because that idea of the I'm overwhelmed by the power of the edit. And you talked a little bit about this last week, but tell us more. Um, well, I think part of that is just being a writer. You know, um, brevity makes everything better a lot of times because we um, <laughs> you raise your hand. Uh, We say too much and then people are like, what is she even talking about? And so going back into something and clarifying it and trying to get to the root of what is my what am I actually trying to say? What's my end goal here? What's the story about? And um, I, I, I love Donald Miller. He's always like edit, 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 bring it back out and edit. Look at it again you can make it better and you can make it more simple where it's not 365 words. It's two, mm-hmm. you know, change you. Right. So I'm like, I, I started my revision board up over there instead of my vision board. I got my revision board um, just to be like, okay, this year I'm going to revisit all of these things in my life. And I really started last year um, with this editing Uh, And going back into situations and um, I had trauma. I had a lot of trauma growing up, traumatizing events, but going back into them and looking at them from my point of view now, I can see um, it it was a lack of emotional intelligence on the part of the abusers. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. but I took it all on myself. I shamed myself. I um, I punish myself for things and situations. And then you naturally go into hiding. You don't let yourself be seen. You don't you don't do any of that. And but what that caused to happen was when I started revisiting those things, it brought up more things, things I had forgotten, Mm -hmm. things that I had pushed down in my psyche, whatever, you know, you just you can only handle so much. Right. Yeah. But going back and I was like, okay, so we're going to put that on tomorrow's flow chart. (laughs) The thing I brought out today that when I was trying to deal with the first thing so we can revise it. But the whole thing is like I you can take all of the stuff that's happened to you and build a beautiful life on top of it. Right. I mean, I think of all these things that inspire me and touch my heart. And usually the stories are like a baseline of catastrophe. Well, this site was demolished. Mm -hmm. And then all these people came together and made something profound, right? Because you chose to be vulnerable in that place, which people don't choose to do anymore. When you you say it like that, uh, I think in terms of archaeology, you know, when you go, I'm thinking about uh, an ancient city like Jerusalem or Rome, there's so many layers there to explore. And uh, so I guess we're all walking, walking, talking, archaeological sites. 
things in our history. Yeah. Yeah. And when things aren't normal, especially when you're young, when you are in an abnormal situation, but this is all the normal you've ever known, you Mm -hmm. have no idea. Um, And only, only later can we go back and revisit. Yeah. I know most of us, I feel like have grown up in emotional poverty. You know, nobody was teaching us and we have all this information here in America, but people um, aren't teaching their children or growing or loving or it's a rare thing. Yeah. And, and, and often you pass that on to the next generation right? uh, until the bells start going off and you realize within your own self, uh, you know, and we all, uh, we're all growing if we're to live is to grow, to learn that that's the goal we, we're supposed to be. Yeah. I, I, that was one of my, the impetus of my revising that started, you know, a year ago. Um, and it was all these things had been handed to me mm-hmm. from the people who should have been investing in me, but I just, I got to this spot and I was like, I will not hand this to my children. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it takes, I'm not, I will not hand this off. Break the chain. So that they don't, they, so that they don't have to. Right. The cycle breaker. Yeah. yeah. Everybody hates you just in case you needed to know when you said. <laughs> When you start to break a cycle, everyone will hate you because <laughs> they love you being in it. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I guess in that term, that in that thought, which I totally degree, disagree with the statement, but uh, you know, misery loves company, and we're yes. miserable, and we want you to be miserable with us. But what I found is misery really, does, from my perspective, misery does not like company. I mean, uh, Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I guess it's the type of miserable people, maybe. Yeah. Dysfunction likes dysfunction, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe sometimes. Uh, yeah. I, in certain circumstances. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I thought about this yesterday in preparing for today about, oh, revisit, revision, those words. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, yes. they're in the same family. Right. Uh, and to, you know, to revise is to go back and revisit it again. And you're talking about, you know, editing. I edit all the time after I've written something and I think it's done. I edit text now that you have the ability on the iPhone now to go back and if you have yeah. an iPhone, you, know, you edit your edit your uh, text, which is a good thing because Siri does not understand me. I don't understand, you know, why she doesn't, but I'm me you know. either. <laughs> I think, is it the Southerness? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, be bad mouthing Siri, but no. uh, I, don't, I don't understand how YouTube can understand me and, and do a closed caption of when I'm speaking perfectly, flawlessly in this phone that I, this voice that should know me <laughs> can't do it. I'm the only one it's talking to or listening to. That's just strange. Sorry, Apple. Isn't that, that's a picture, Robert, of what we're talking about. The people closest to you don't understand you. 
Yeah, I, yes. And I want to apologize right now to Apple because you allow us to have this podcast on Apple Podcasts. So, thank you, Apple. Yeah, yeah thank we you, love Apple. You. I have an iPhone, so. Me too. <laughs> oh, let me let me go over to the other comment you made, and this one we really didn't have any time to unpack it. Packed it. Unpack. I can't say the word. Unpacked it. Help me. Unpack. There unpack. Unpack. Yeah, I can't unpack that word. Uh, you, you said a lot of trauma is the lack of a compassionate witness so right. that you can go back and you can put your compassionate witness in there and you go through all of that. That statement was, was huge and we didn't talk about it. Right. Uh, talk about that a little bit, you know, uh, um, well, so trauma is an event, right? And then you have a traumatic event, but the trauma that you choose to store in your body is because nobody helped you sort it out. You didn't have that compassionate witness to help you walk through it. And so you generally will take on the shame and the, um, the emotions that are pushed on you by whoever is causing your trauma. So then you don't sort it out yourself um, and you usually just stay stuck there, right? Because you, you can't process it, especially when you're you're little. And a lot of times with children who've been in traumatic events, the abuser blames them mm -hmm. for trauma. Um, and adults, let's just be honest, adults blame you for the things they do to you. Um, and then they, you know, they'll come back at you with all these things. Well, if you don't have that compassionate witness who's sitting there with you saying, I'm so sorry that this happened. This is not true of you. You know, I created you like this. It's like Jesus. If I created you like this, I'm here with you. Uh, and, you know, there's there's moments where you cannot even imagine Jesus sitting there with you. But he was. He's never left you alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite um scriptures is Psalm 139, you know, he hymns you in behind and before, but the, the thing that I always go back to every time I'm in like a impossible situation or memory is even there, I am with you. Yeah. Even there in everywhere, right? Every sort of horrific, traumatic event, even just with your friends, even with, you know, people who should be caretaking your heart and they say cutting words to you, well, you have a choice to create an emotion that's going to make you stuck or create one that's going to help you heal. Yeah. And so having Christ in that and realizing he's there, but then also you in that situation, you're compassionate to yourself. So you have to train yourself to be compassionate to yourself and love you like you're someone else, you know, because we're hardest on ourselves. So then you're looking at you with love and kindness and Christ is sitting there with love and kindness. And he's like, just open your hands, right? Mm -hmm. Let the emotions flow through, let the healing flow through. I, you were never alone. And so that, that can bring a lot of healing. Yeah. One of my favorite verses it's in the Psalms. I can't tell you exactly the ad address of it. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's one of my favorite too. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad I asked for clarification on that because what I thought, what I heard, uh, where I went with it was 
uh, a lot of trauma is the lack of a compassionate witness. And maybe I was even thinking in terms of just put, pull the compassionate out of it. A lot of trauma is the lack of a witness because mm. when we go through trauma, people feel alone. And, and I think in our society today, huge mm -hmm. uh, part of what we are experiencing um, culturally we we're alone even you you've heard people talk about oh i saw these two individuals and they were both on their cell phone the whole time and they were texting one another instead <laughs> of talking to one another uh and uh we're just we're just so pulled into ourselves right um and so that's what i was when you said that lack of a compassionate witness because it seems maybe people don't have the capacity of compassion to carry people very far. I I agree with that. I feel like most of the world is in a broken place and they're, they need healing. Yeah. And that's the whole, you know, when, when you bring Jesus into your situation and into your heart and mind, then you will heal and that will overflow onto others. You know, when you yeah. allow him to be your witness, um, you know, and that's the whole thing about renewing your mind. Most of us are doing it on the outside. Like we're, we like put stuff around our mind, you know, mm -hmm. Um, let's put a hat on that, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And we have to go inside. And if there's a place where we're holding anger or mistrust or angst or, you know, pain, just letting, letting ourselves go back in there and renew that, that spot with Jesus, with ourselves and bring another person in if you need to, like, Go get a therapist, go to somebody you trust, you know? Yeah. I, it reminded me of uh, years ago, I had a friend of mine give me a book, Joy That Last. And I believe Gary Chapman, I may, may have that totally wrong, was the uh, author of that book. Uh, but the premise of the book has stuck with me. And it's this, that we go to man's line, a human being's line, L-I-N-E, get in their line, like a ride at Six Flags, I guess. We go to a person's line to receive from them something that we can only receive from Jesus. Right. And so the idea is get out of the line of performance, of going to a fellow struggler and turn to the one, get in Jesus's line because he's the only one that can truly give you all you need we go seeking with false expectations yeah to receive from people um, where i've read that like we are holding people hostage to meet our needs and they aren't meant to do that yeah yeah another is interesting when we had the conversation the other day uh i've been reading through Stu garrard's book on the beatitudes uh called uh, Words from the Hill. And uh, Stu Gerard was uh, a member of the band Delirious. And I have a great, I'm in my own pro 
uh, I'm in the process of doing uh, something with the Beatitudes myself, and it's been in development and for 18 years now. I've been teaching the <laughs> Beatitudes, and I, I love the Beatitudes. But he he made some comments here, and it's just uh, if I can get to them, find them here. We have to feel the grief, he says, and not only feel the grief, but have someone around who sees us. The simple act of being seen gives us permission to grieve. It's a hard thing having your life so radically changed one day and the next day to see everyone else carrying on as if nothing has happened. Mm. And he says, and maybe this is the heart of pain. We long for a witness. We long for people to see what we are going through. We long for someone to affirm the devastation because we weren't made to live alone. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to talk about uh, something I did not know. I knew that the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco, that a lot of people jump off that bridge. It's a famous place, infamous place, I guess, for people committing suicide. But one of the things he, he writes about, he said, one side of that bridge faces the Pacific Ocean, which if you've ever crossed the bridge, you know that, faces out toward the ocean. The other faces toward the city of San Francisco, and that the vast majority of people who jump off that bridge do so on the city side, as if when they're jumping off, even in that, they're they're crying out for a witness. To be seen. To be seen, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think during the Christmas holidays, when when I was talking about hope on the podcast, I shared the two questions I ask a lot of to different people. The questions are, where are you hurting? Where is your hope? And many, many times, complete strangers, when those questions are asked, they will tell me, they'll tell me where they're hurting. They just, uh, not everybody will, but the vast majority do. Mm-hmm. And that's insightful to me that yes. w- when we're hurting, we don't want to call attention to ourselves, but we want somebody to acknowledge it. Right. Because if somebody sees it and, you know, they're verify that your pain and they validate you, then it, it just gives you the ability to express your emotions. Yeah. Even for a minute. You know, that's so healing. This is called the holding space for people. The holding space. Yeah. When you hold space for somebody, you give them that that margin to heal in. Okay. Like, I will bear witness to you. And I will um, allow your emotions to surface and come out in this this place, in this setting, so that you can move on from here and you can heal from here. So you're in some ways, when I hear the term holding space, first thing, the image that popped into my mind, sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So you're like a sanctuary yeah, for someone to step into for a moment. You're, you're saving a seat at the yeah. table, you know. You're a walking, talking church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I believe was Jesus's intent. <laughs> Right? Wacky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, that's revolutionary. 
It's a revolution, Robert. We're having those in 2023. Yeah, there we go. Tacos included. Uh, yes. Whoa. Okay. You know, when we're excavating ourselves, yeah. going back to use the the archaeological analogy that I uh, I mentioned, uh, what keeps the walls from caving in on us sometimes when we're getting down there into some of those levels? You have to be careful, right? <laughs> and you need a team of experts. Um, but really, I think just being careful and getting the help that you need because it can happen. I mean, even with me, um, you know, I, I tell people, I, I have a crazy story, like with my trauma, but like I was one of my family members tried to shoot me and then I just kept going and trying to fix her life for her, you know, and then other people started coming in and trying to hurt me also with this person. And um, I just kept trying to fix everything for everybody. And after a while, like my body just started shutting down. I got so physically and emotionally depleted that I could not carry on. Mm. And it was at that time where I, I just started calling my friends and asking them to sit with me. It's like, I don't need you to talk to me all day or problem solve this. I just need you to be here. I need to do something with you quietly. I need to process all of these feelings. But being alone, I just, I'm ruminating, right? And mm-hmm. I, I was uh, listening to um, The Mountain Is You, which is, it's not a Christian book, but it talks about how all the inner workings of our minds and we have the time we're our own problem. Um, but sh- this person was talking about how the part of our brain that ruminates is the same part of our brain that creates. Hmm. And so a lot of times we're sitting stuck in a space where we're meant to be inspired and imaginative and problem solving and growing, but we're misusing that part of our brain to just go over and over and over. Then we're re-injuring ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? We're just... Oh, it's a good day for trauma. Like you just keep <laughs> doing it to us oh instead God. of saying, you know, waving our white flag and being like, help me, everybody. I need you to bring food to my table. I need you to speak hope into my life. I need you to pray over me. I need, I need it all. Like yeah. I need, I need a counselor. I need, you know, and I, I told you, I got a life coach because I was like, talk therapy took me so far. But then I was like, but how do I rebuild my life? Like, I needed to rebuild. I didn't want to go back to the life I had. I wanted to rebuild a new life. But I was so depleted um, that I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it took somebody in front of me going, okay, it's 9 a.m. Step one, you know, and it wasn't exactly like that, but. You get the point. Somebody yeah. was ahead of me with a little chart saying, I know you feel this way today, but you can just talk to that thing and you can say, okay, I see you. I'm going to put you over there. I'm going to go about rebuilding my life. Mm-hmm. But then you come every morning to that, to the table space where you bring the things back to Jesus and you, you usher in the healing so that day by day, you're like, okay, today. I can go back to doing this normal thing I used to do, 
you know, so that it's not stealing the entirety of your days. You're not falling into depressive episodes just of your own volition. Yeah. You're refusing the healing. Yeah. And, and when I hear you say that and talking about just needing a friend to come and just sit and hold space for yeah. you, I, I'm, I'm just reminded of how that is not the American way. Our, right. We, we are, uh, we, we show up in the immediacy of a crisis. We bring our casseroles and <laughs> yeah. we, we do whatever needs to be done. Uh, walk with the person to the graveside or, um, you know, we're there for a brief period of time. And then, we bail and then down the road we think to ourselves and sometimes even say it out loud it's time you move on mm -hmm. and we don't we we don't i don't know if it's a fear we don't know what to say or if that's the way many deal with their own emotional baggage bury it just bury it. And it's still there until it's excavated until it's, you know, right. Until you deal with it. And, you know, there's two sides to that because you can make an idol out of your trauma yeah, and you can hold cling to that thing, you know? Um, but also you probably never process your emotions fully. Yeah. Um, you don't let them because people are telling you what to do or you're dealing with so much of, the outlying of what's going on around your problem <laughs> that you don't actually be like, man, that hurts me deep. Yeah. It, that cuts me. But yeah, I agree with you about people not holding space for other people. It's a rare gift to find somebody that will just sit and listen to you. How do we cultivate that kind of compassion? You do it. So just, there you go. Just do it, folks. Just be compassionate. It's true. <laughs> it's, I, yeah. You come and you collect things. Like I collect things of things I wouldn't think of, things I wasn't taught. Like I love Bob Goff. Um, you know, he has it on his calendar, like people's worst days. Yeah. And I do that. Like I, you know, people who, uh, my old neighbor, you know, he, got a divorce and I have his anniversary of his wedding on my calendar. I, you know, like people who lose a loved one, I, it's on my calendar. Um, just certain things where I'm like, I know you had a hard day this day or you, your mama died or your, this would be her birthday and you can't celebrate her, but you should be. Um, and just things like that. And like one, another thing I do is when people lose a loved one, I wait a month to send a sympathy card and then I send multiple because everybody rushes in like what you're saying yeah. into the gate. And, but it's about a month, six weeks out that people are like, where'd everybody go? Yeah. You know? And when they're all rushing in, you don't have time to feel or process that. You're just like, you're in shock and da da da. But where's the person in the quiet when I'm sitting alone, who's just like, Hey, I'm still here. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Another thing Bob Goff does, he talks about is that when somebody has an imploding of their life mm-hmm. publicly, he will, when everybody else is running out of the burning building, leaving them behind, he will send them a cake pop. <laughs> When one thing uh, this that. is the new Bob Goff podcast. We love Bob Goff. <laughs> Thank <and> you, Bob. <laughs> but one thing I loved, I went and saw him at a um a mentoring um event and um he Nicole Nordeman was there. Oh wow and, and she she was talking about Bob and how so I don't know the whole story of what all happened to her, but she got a divorce mm-hmm. and her husband, you know, whatever. I have no idea. Anyway, she gets, she got a new house and she said um, she moved into the new house. She's got the keys and she walked in the door, you know, her new empty life. And um, that all of a sudden the door rang, the doorbell rang. And she was like, who on earth is here? You know, I moved, it's day one. Like who's ringing my doorbell? And she opened the door and it was the pizza guy. And he's like, Hey, I got a pizza for you. It's already paid for. It's from a guy named Bob. And she's (laughs) like, what? You know? And she's like, I'm just sitting there. I got tears running down my face. I just look like the biggest nightmare. And I'm like, thank you, pizza man. And she opens up the pizza box and there's three pepperonis right in the middle. And she's like, okay, I know Bob and this has to be significant. And um, she said, so she, you know, calls him on the phone. She's like, thanks for my pizza. Now tell me what these pepperonis mean. And he said, well, you know, people used to use this little symbol for the name of God, which was three dots, because the name, the name you don't say, right? The ineffable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted you to know that he was there with you and you're not alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I thought that's beautiful. And that ties into what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yes. You're never yeah. alone. The three yeah. dots are there. Yeah. The three dots when I, I thought where you were headed with this and where he would, would be headed with this. To be continued. To be continued. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But he was pointing her back to Christ. Yeah. On her worst day. Oh. Yeah. With three pepperonis. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a pizza underneath it or is it just yes. Oh, that's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for coming back here on the table today or at the, ta- at the table today. So. I'm not on the table. You're not the thank sacrifice. You, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was another great conversation. And I want to encourage you, wherever you may be listening to Redemption's Table today. Would you take just a moment to follow the Table podcast if you enjoyed listening, share it with others, and uh, just take the moment to do that. And now on our way out, we are going to continue Ross King's song, Build the House. Until next week, bye now. It's like a counterfeit religion that I'm tired of bowing to. A 
competition where the winners are bound to lose Is gaining the whole world worth losing control of my soul I'm not sure when I see people Cruel and deceitful Applauded for violence Rewarded for evil Sometimes they hide behind pulpits and steeples Oh power has such an allure That's why we're building our own kingdoms And forging your name on the contracts Laying foundations that won't last Don't build a house, it'll fall.